Welcome, everyone. We are here for another very special podcast. And of course, this podcast is brought to you by Club GG, where you can create poker clubs for free, play with your friends, and win hundreds of thousands of dollars in prizes monthly. With that said, we're going to dive in. I have a friend of mine, great, great guy, and a world-class tennis player join us, Vasek Papasil. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Excited, uh, excited to, to be here. All, all the way down from uh, Australia, Melbourne. I love it. We made it, it happen. We did make it happen. A little bit of coordinating time. Beautiful city, beautiful place. And of course, you get to, to play in one of the marquee events in the world. So yeah, tell me kind of what, what's happening there right now. Are you at the early stages in between and, and how's it going there? Yeah, just 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 getting ready, actually. So uh, I, I flew down here about 10 days ago. i uh, just been training, getting ready, played a warm-up event beforehand. Um, and then uh, first round is, is uh, coming up in, in four days. So I find out tonight who I play against and have three days to get ready for any specifics for that opponent. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a full draw. It's a tough draw. Obviously, all the, the top players in the world are here. So, um, you know, uh, depending on the luck of the draw, I can play world number one or, or world number 100. So um, I'll, I'll find that out tonight. And in the meantime, just uh, prepare, train, try to relax a little bit. But but uh, it's definitely more more work than uh, than play at this point. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing city. That's definitely, I think, one of my favorite cities in the world. So I, I'm sure that's uh, fun to be there, but also to be focused and, and dialed in training is, you know, there, there's a lot of temptation, a lot of, a lot of cool stuff to do and, and be out. How, uh, speaking of number one, I see you were just playing, I believe, with Djokovic. Is that, is that, was that a, in an event? Is that a charity thing? Was that a tournament doubles or what, what is this that you guys were doing there together? Yeah, we played uh, we played doubles in uh, Adelaide, so it was a warm up event um, where um, yeah, I mean it was, it was funny. He he usually doesn't doesn't play doubles. I think he played as uh, last doubles match like a, a year ago. But but we're good friends and and we were chatting before coming down to Australia whether um, um, you know how much we, that we would train together and just get ready a little bit. And then he's like, okay, I'm playing Adelaide, and I was like, oh, let's just play doubles. And he's like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> I was talking awesome. to his coach. His coach is like, I don't know why he wants to play doubles. He's like, I don't know. He'll just do whatever he wants. If he wants to play, he'll play. So it was pretty, it was pretty funny. And, and so we had, yeah, it was a blast. I mean, like I said, he's a, he's a great friend on tour. And um, so we just kind of got out there and, and um, I guess it was more, more of a warm up for him. And, and, but, but it was, it was obviously uh, super fun. Very, very cool. And, and explain to me, cause this is something you know, I've, I've been to, I've been to some tennis high level stuff and, in Miami, obviously, there's some some cool events, and then been to Wimbledon, which was pretty surreal, just the whole experience. And you've actually won the doubles at Wimbledon, which is pretty insane. One of the majors, and you you got that done, and you played singles as well. I think you've been ranked as high as number four in doubles and top 25, if I'm not mistaken, in, in singles. Maybe I'm, I'm the notes I have just pretty incredible, and that's not so common, is it, that people do doubles and singles? I mean, that's got to be. Could you maybe touch on a bit of how that works in tennis and, and how what the general norm is on that? Yeah, it's definitely not common. Um, I, I would say, you know, uh, singles is, it, you know, obviously is, is more prestigious. And, and um, so, you know, generally, if you're if you're doing well in singles, um, you're using, you know, you don't want to expend any extra energy on the court or even in training or anything on, on, on doubles if that's your focus, your priority. So I think... And that and that goes the same. I mean, same same for for a doubles player, right? So, and they they are a little bit different. I mean, it's, you know, it's a sport of tennis, but singles and doubles have their own uh, unique, I guess, skill sets. So obviously, if you spend the more time you spend on one, the more you're going to get out of that that right. that specialty, right? So I think I think that's kind of the the I, I would say that's the reason why um, you know there are very few players that play both. Um, having said that, you know, generally the top singles players, if they do focus on, on doubles or if they, if they really put in, you know, oh, some effort there. Lost um, you. I don't know if that's my internet. Oh yeah. Yeah. Are you just pot? Did you cut out for a sec? Uh, I, or, I hear or, you. I hear you. I have nothing cut out here on my end. Okay. Hold on. Um, all right. So that was weird. Like you just, you like went dark and then paused and now you're back. So we'll edit, get okay. that out. So, okay. So singles double. So yeah, it's a, yeah. So you have a, it, it is different and it's obviously, like you said, most people focus on one or the other. And so, I mean, in, in terms of like a, a hybrid ranking, is that, would you say that's like 
and what's like the highest ever? Because you don't see like number one, number one playing four and 25 is extremely, extremely high. So it seems like you have a nice, very nice aptitude at both. Which do you prefer? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's definitely rare, right, to have to have someone playing bo- uh, both singles and doubles. I haven't really played much doubles uh, the last uh, four or five years, to be honest. Actually, since ra- around that time we won Wimbledon, maybe for a couple more years, I played doubles and then uh, really just focused on singles. Um, doubles for me, I mean, is always very natural. I played a lot of doubles when I was young. I even when I was playing singles, I was coming into the net. I still, I still do today, but. Uh, spending a lot of time at the net, which obviously that kind of sk- that scale translates well into doubles. So, mm-hmm. so I think doubles is there's a little bit less pressure in doubles. You're there with a partner. It's definitely much more relaxed. In in, um, but at the same time, the the reward doesn't feel as great. You know, I just uh, so it's like like anything, right? So when there's pro- more pressure, there's a reason for that. And mm-hmm. um, so so yeah, I've I've been focused on singles. Uh, I still feel like I have some, you know, my some of my best years in front of me. Um, although, you know, the last four or five years have been tough. I haven't had a healthy year since 2017, I think it was. So um, I've been out uh, for uh, at least three to four months every year since then. So I feel like I'm still playing, playing great tennis. I just need to stay healthy. Um, and then, you know, we'll see how the next um, three, four years go. I think that's, that's kind of... Um, I feel like, you know, don't want to put a, a timeline on it, but I, I feel like that's that's probably where I'm at right now at this stage of my life is probably three or four more years on the court. And, and you know, now with Tom Brady, 44 years old, you see LeBron James, some of the greatest, and, and people are playing in sports, it seems, later. Can you give me a little bit of a tennis sort of what what is your peak time, generally speaking, in tennis, and how late do players play? I mean, what's going on with these, like, 26 majors from Djokovic? These guys, it's just insane. To see some people dot in the doll and these guys dominate for so long, but you know they're getting older. What is what is the, the the prime of a tennis player generally? Well, yeah, I mean, if you if you had asked me this ten years ago, I would have given you a totally different number, right? Um, but I guess I, I don't know. And someone listening to this that has that actually understands what I'm talking about right now will be like, oh, he's totally wrong. But I, you know, I feel like what, what from what I've heard is okay, age of twenty eight to thirty is the physical prime of of a male, right? Uh, at least with their physicality and again someone here is get someone's going to be thinking is telling me oh that's, that's not what it is but right. but i think i think you know now as everything as as uh you know just science and injury prevention and, and physiotherapy uh medicine all that as that goes forward um i think that's obviously extending the careers of, of players and of, of all sports i think they're kind of all moving up simultaneously so now it feels like you know mid 30s feels or i would say early 30s kind of now feels like you know ironically that's where i'm i'm at 32 mm-hmm. feels like the prime because it's a i think it's kind of the perfect combination of experience um you know physical capacity uh, or, or peak performance uh you know not too far off from there but then and just having that experience and, and also years of you're still getting better as a player you're still improving i think it's really the physicality is what, what goes down not so much the technical or the tactical side or or, or anything so yeah I, I feel like the prime is right now for me honestly until until the age of 35 and you're seeing it with guys like Novak and like you said Tom Brady and um, even Federer you know five years ago I mean now he's he's over 40 but five years ago he went on a tear playing incredible he was 35 years old so uh, definitely uh, some changes in sports all around and um, you know and I, I guess that would just be the, the advancement of of uh, of like I said, you know, medicine, performance, everything going forward and, and yeah. taking care of your body. And and tell me about a preparation for a tournament like this. It's major, you know, it's super exciting. You come there, are you, how much training is it where you're, you're doing hard work? You're just kind of manicuring, you know, resting, like, give me, give me kind of the days leading up what, what a typical schedule is like at these major events. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a bit, it depends how early you get here. So obviously kind of, I would say, probably four or five days right about where I am right now. You start to tone it down for sure. Um, I've had some extremely tough training days the last couple of days. Um, yeah, I mean, yesterday, the day before yesterday, I had like five hours on court, um, uh, base almost throwing up to be honest and just mm-hmm. trying to put the limit, have my fitness trainer here. Um, then I got another, another, you know, medium day today, which is Thursday. Um, and then really Friday, Saturday, Sunday, just toning it down, playing two hours on the court points. Um, and then you just got to give your, your, your body time to, to, to just regenerate 
and and try to peak for for that first round. And obviously, the, you know, the three three four weeks prior to this as well have been a lot of training. So it is a balance, just like anything in life, right? You gotta, uh, you know, you can't you also can't push yourself too hard. Uh, your your body's gonna break down. So it's finding that right balance. And again, that comes with years of experience and having people around you that that know what they're doing and kind of guide you as well and say, okay, this is the day you got to push. This is the day you got to take it easy. And then also feel your body because everyone's different. And when you're tired, um, you got to, you know, know when to take a break as well. Makes, makes a lot of sense. And, and who goes, what, what all goes into your, your team? You have a coach, I mean, you have a manager, you know, agent, how, how, how much could you kind of give us an in-depth look at what it's like to be a professional tennis player at a high level and, and who all is involved in your sort of day-to-day operations yeah well this yeah this it's it's funny because you you I, I would say the 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 coach uh physio uh fitness trainer are kind of the key um team members of, of i guess any any top um professional tennis player generally you know it is very costly <laughs> It is a very costly sport. You're not you're not necessarily making a lot of money unless you're at the top of the game. So mm-hmm. so not everybody has the luxury to be able to afford a full team around them, right? So you'll have some players that have just a coach, um, some that that have a physio but it's part time, some that that only have a physio locally where they train and live and then use the physios on site. So it's a really a wide variety, um, uh, you know, amongst the ranks of the tennis tour, and just depends again it's a relative based on your your income and and um but it's, it's ironic because also one affects the other so you also have to be willing to invest and take the chance and say okay i'm going to bring this extra person on board and then you know hopefully that will right so it's 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 a little bit of um but but for me i mean there's also obviously sports psychology there's now there's a, a data analytics um is, is slowly coming into tennis probably uh, a little bit later than some other sports um, and then, um, yeah, there's, I mean, you can really grow the team out to, 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 you know, six, seven people, but I would say the three key are coach, fitness trainer and, um, and physio. Very nice. Sorry. My, my son no banging on the door. He wants, he, he, he knows the big guest today. He's, he's ready for, for action. Sorry about uh, banging there in the back. He's, he's been trying to come in a few times. Uh, and tell me about your, how you got into, how did you get into, People are fired up, man. I, well, that's another question <laughs> about fans. I, I want to ask about that in a little bit. That's a, that's a, I, with the noise and, and if you how, getting distracted. Um, actually, I'll ask you that right now. I want to know about playing in front of big crowds. Well, this is, I mean, you can hear that, right? You hear the banging. He's going to bang I, I, on I the can door. hear it. I can hear it. It's not bothering me, but if, if you Okay. It's good. Hey, it's good energy in the background noise. I want to know about Yay. playing for Wimbledon titles. People are yelling, screaming, the pressure. How is it to play like when you're just playing in a first round of the tournament versus like a final of Wimbledon? Can you give me kind of a, a difference yeah. on what that feels like? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'm someone that thrives uh, in front of a crowd with energy. I, I, I will generally play, you know, I feel like quite a bit better if there's a lot of people watching. Um, you know, I know that's not necessarily the case for everybody, but that is the case for me. So, I think, and that's why at the end of the day, that's what, what, that's the adrenaline rush that, uh, that it makes, you know, high level sport so addictive, I guess, or in a sense, like when you, when you retire, it's, I, I feel like it would probably be, be something that you really miss that like adrenaline, that dopamine high of just like, holy smoke, like this is incredible. You just, you know, winning a huge match and the crowd just going nuts. And, you know, that's definitely something that I'm, I'm really going to miss after my career. And, um, but uh yeah i mean at 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 the same time it's uh you know it it's it's a tough it's a tough life it's a tough sport it's a lonely sport you're traveling nonstop all year um away from family and friends uh you know it's it's but so there's obviously pros and cons i think when you're in something you're always you know you kind of like oh like it'd be great to to do something else or do that but then you you'll you'll probably realize how much you miss it when you when you stop I, I was scrolling through, of course, the reason we, we know each other, Bill Perkins, who was epic wedding of all time. That was that was such a blast. Like I can't even call it a wedding. It was, it was like a week vacation in, yeah. the, in, in Monaco, uh, south of France, just you know, having the best time. And we could talk about that for a whole podcast in itself. But I see here the picture in the, the Die With Zero um, book, which we know Bill wrote and yeah, I'm sure you've read as as I have. Yeah. How do you how, how like could you maybe touch on that a bit? And how do you feel with 
being at the highest level and like set times and dates and schedules, have you, how, how do you kind of juggle that with like, with, with life and, and things and events coming on? Cause you know, you, in some ways you're so free, right? Cause you just, there's like a lot of times that are down or you have time to train and travel and whatever, but there's also kind of set schedules and people have weddings and certain things mm-hmm. where you just maybe can't miss or we could, how have you kind of managed that juggled that? And, and can you maybe touch on a bit of the principles in that book and how, how you kind of live your life with uh, how, what you're doing? Yeah, you know what? That's that's been the hardest part, I think, throughout the course of my whole career. And and as you get older, as I you know mentioned a little bit earlier, as you get more experience, I've learned to balance my life uh, a little bit better while still kind of focused on the main goal. Because obviously, you can't you know you can't you can't avoid the work to get to where you're trying to get to and accomplish mm-hmm. what you're trying to accomplish. And in my field, unfortunately, that means ton you know a ton of sacrifice from family and friends. But then again, if you think about living your life and, and having experiences and having, you know, people that you want around you and, and being able to do cool things that bring you, you know, these dividends of experiences as, as, um, as Bill uh, talks about in his book, like you have to make time for that in your schedule, which is what I've gotten a lot better at the last few years. It's, it's like, you know, like knowing that, Hey, there's a whole other side to life and not being like tunnel visioned and, and, you know, that created a lot of stress for me. I mean, as well, I mean, in my early 20s, especially, I was so hyper-focused on tennis, which is not a bad thing, right? It's pros and cons, but but I definitely felt like it was affecting me um, on a personal level and just general, you know, happiness. It was just it was just all work, all work, constantly traveling around the world alone. Sounds great, but it wasn't great, right? You're just like hotel courts, hotel courts, next city, hotel courts, right? So... So I think, um, yeah, I've definitely um, done a lot better with 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 um, you know spending time with uh, with friends and family. That's 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 kind of what what brought balance, more balance to my life the last few years. And actually, one of the things that 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 I resonated like for some reason hit me the most when I was reading that was zero um, was there's 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 a part early on I don't know what, what maybe it was third chapter I I can't recall exactly but. But um, where where Bill referred to, um, you know, a gift that he gave his 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 grandmother or, or, or mother, I think his grandmother, actually. And, and um, I love this story. Yes. I yeah. Know. And it was that he you know, gave her cash. And then ultimately point of, point of the story was that she didn't really use it. it was like, OK, great. But didn't really get anything out of it. because He just kind of saved it. And it's her inner well, nature to save. I think he gave her ten thousand. It's possible 10, fifty, but ten thousand. Then, like, she bought him a sweater or something like it's a Christmas. Like, that yeah. was like her big spending on it. Was yeah. she just saved it and never used it? And and that was like a real revelation for him yeah. about this different points and periods of life, and also about yeah what what people can do. So that that's uh yeah that I, that stood out with me as well. That was a very vivid, yeah. vivid uh, explanation. And it was crazy because because just just really just reading that, I was like you know half a page just talking about that. It just like some reason just totally, you know, resonated with me and clicked to the point where I just like, I was like, I'm not going to buy my parents gifts anymore. I'm or like give them money. I'm, I was like, I'm going to fly them to everywhere where I go. I'm like, so it's like, so right away Christmas, I'm like, okay, mom, dad, like you guys are never like coming to Wimbledon. You know, I was like, oh, I don't want to bother you. He's like, you're coming. I'm getting you. He's like, you're coming to Wimbledon. You're coming to these events. Cause you know, they're, they're also getting older and you want to, you know, you're, and, um, I haven't been able to spend too much time with my parents relative to how much I would like to just given my travel schedule. And, and yeah. I have bills to thank for that because, because I really feel like the next, you know, um, several years, it'll just kind of shift how I look at, um, you know, the value of a gift and versus value of, or, you know, spending time with somebody and an ex- in a value of an experience, right? Yeah. Well, a gift can be the experience, but, but in this case, but that right. was one thing that was, you know, yeah, it's really- huge. Well, he, yeah. Yeah, he says like wealth, health, and time, and you're really, it's about memory dividends, right? You're trying to create experiences and, and, and during life. And it's, uh, it's a, a fascinating, fascinating book. And yes, that's, that's why we're here today. That's how we know each other. Yeah. And, and for sure, some fun times and I'm sure many more to come and tell me about Necker Island. Cause I know, I think is that maybe where you met Bill, but I know you've been there several yeah. times and yeah, do the tennis there. You've kind of explained how special been there one time as well. Um, actually for Bill's 50th and it was, it's hard to even explain. It really is an unreal experience. Maybe tell me what you're there for. It's like a Necker cup or once a year tennis event. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a once a year tennis event, charity event, uh, pro-am, um, that Richard Branson hosts that, and, uh, it's just, 
you know, I went there the first time 2014 for on, to go on vacation. Uh, it was amazing. Then, you know, I came back in 2019. And for some reason that time, I was just like, this is the best week of the year. This is unbelievable. So I've been coming back every year since then. And it's really impacted my, my life actually going there because I met some of my best friends. I met Bill there, who's become one of my closest friends, um, you know, met, met now also one of my closest friends is the, is the organizer of that event. And, it, you know, so just it's really um, beautiful island, amazing people, so relaxed. Everyone's having a great time. It's also one of the two weeks that I have off throughout the year. So I let loose, you know, you can just, you have fun, you can finally drink a bit, do do whatever. And, yeah. and um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, and I actually am fortunate enough now that, that, you know, that, that Trevor Short and, and Richard uh, two years ago um, asked me to, you know, be the tournament director. So it's a, it, it's, it's really cool to be part of it. I'm not necessarily, you know, provide, I'm not necessarily doing much, but I guess I'm, right in some ways kind of an ambassador for the event, which is, which is, which is super cool and um, yeah. definitely highlight of the year. Yeah. It's uh, I think it's 2019. I was there in February for Bill's 50th. And I, I remember they, it was actually interesting. Did they, do they have pickleball or Pat L also now or no? Did they ever get that put in? No, I don't know. They don't No, okay. not, not, not on the Island. Not that I've seen. Okay. No. Well, it's yeah. I was I I had, um, was talking because one of the cool parts about it seems like you know Branson is there. Well, during this event for sure, but he's kind of usually on the island, or if he's there, he hangs out. He comes at breakfast, does whatever. And we were talking, then I would emailed back and forth, and he was like pushing to get I think pickleball courts installed, and he was trying to figure out you know all this stuff what 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 to do. And I I was just curious. I thought they did try to get that, but have you played? pickle and paddle i gotta ask you because i'm i'm yeah. fascinated with this sport and i know yeah. as a tennis pro like I, I i'm curious to i feel like it's like not quite you know i i wonder do you love it not like it indifferent or just completely different thing have you have you dabbled at all no i i haven't dabbled it i haven't dabbled yet i've, I've been wanting to i've been wanting to try it just because i want to also you know i have like a little bit of this theory which you know maybe is slightly overconfident theory with, with regards to tennis players doing well in pickleball if they were to play pickleball right um but i, I haven't actually been able to play yet i've literally never held a racket but i want to try it um yeah. i played i played paddle and and that's super fun or padel i'm not i, I, yeah. I don't know it correctly but um that's yeah with the glass and and that's very very fun yeah. Um, but how, how would you describe the, cause pickle is in my opinion, you know, it's, it's much easier, lighter. You could play with you know, grandparents or your, your wife, you know, girlfriend. Like it's, it's sort of like, you just not as aggressive. Uh, Padel is something that is a little more fast, but kind of in the middle. Is that, is that fair? Is it sort of like a hybrid in between tennis and, and pickle? Would you say? Cause it, it, it's, yeah. it gets moving and it's fun. It's very fun and good exercise. I think too. But. I would say, yeah, I would say you nailed it. I think, I think uh, paddle is kind of the the middle ground in pickleball. I think also the reason why it's the fastest growing sport in America right now is because mm -hmm. anybody can pick it up. And obviously, you know, you still have a very large gamer, uh, baby uh, boomer population that that they, you know, it they can go and get exercise and play sport. And it's you don't have to master the technique like you do in tennis to be able to, right. you know to be able to actually play and have a rally and so so it makes total sense um it'll be interesting to see you know how, if that growth if that projection growth is you know consistent the next uh four or five years or or let's say decades or whatever let's see but um definitely makes sense why why it's it's growing so quickly and the 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 brothers the um, brian right the brian I, brothers i i got to meet and hang out with a bit. I played actually some, I was impressed with their soccer skill. That they oh, yeah. juggle. We were juggling. I guess that's how you, in tennis, is that usually people decide if you're having fun, who gets the first serve. But like, I was shocked. Like we, I mean, I haven't played soccer. I played through college. I haven't played in a long time. And it was hard to juggle a tennis ball, but he was like, you know, pretty good. It was like really, uh, I was impressed. Do you know if it was Bob or Mike or both? Yeah, you, uh, Bob. Bob. Bob, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think a lot of tennis players, um, I would say most tennis players, um, you know, were at least, you know, at a, at a high level of some other sport, you know, when you're young, generally, if you're into sports, you're, you're, you're playing something else other than the one that you're focused on. Right. So, so that makes sense. And they're always talented guys, but, but Mike, I, I don't know Bob that well. I know, I know Bob, 
uh, obviously, like just through the tour. And but I just got to spend a bit of time with Mike um, on on Necker Island uh, last few years, but this last lo- this last time specifically. And he's such a good guy. Like, I, it's crazy. And this is this is also another crazy part about tennis is like you're around all these guys all the time. And but it's just such a competitive environment that. <laughs> And you're just so dialed in and you're just so focused on what you have to do throughout the day. Like, you know, speaking of tunnel vision that like you're, you don't even get to like kind of slow down and smell the roses or like get to know somebody or like, like that, that well, like I would say, right. For example, like Bob and Mike Bryan, I mean, I, they, you know, I've played against them six, seven times and, you know, known them for years now in the locker room and, and just really realized. And I was always like, yeah, they're cool guys, you know, whatever. And then just, really two weeks ago it was like my, you know specifically mike Bryan because I, I i was with him just amazing guy i'm like this is the coolest guy we hit it all we had a blast like so fun and it's funny that i've known him for 10 years and just had no idea that he was like that <laughs> yeah it's, it's the really really cool guys also i built bill had won like a charity i think at necker i believe it was and he did win some experience and then he you know i was in miami and he um he, he that's how i like, got to go and like play tennis with them for, well, sorry, with, with Bob for an hour. And then we were, you know, kicking the ball around really, really cool guy. And obviously they're super successful, cool. right? Doubles, like yeah. some of the most successful of all time. Um, well, speaking of soccer, I, I did read that you were a pretty, pretty good player and it was a tough decision to sort of focus on one uh, sport is, is uh, tell me about that and how that was as a kid. And, and when you made that decision, just to, to, to segue into just one sport primarily. Yeah. It's, it's a funny, it's a funny story in a way. Um, it, wasn't even so much a tough decision in the sense of you know that it was it ever in doubt that I was going to play tennis no it was the tough decision was that I was no longer going to play soccer and I loved playing it that was what made it tough mm-hmm. and but so the story I guess is just that you know up until the age of 12 really tennis and soccer were my two main sports uh, from the age of five right when I was walking holding a racket I was always you know tennis pro tennis pro tennis pro that was never that was it was basically my job from i would consider it you know again relative to being a kid but i i i kind of viewed it like okay this is my work like from from a very young age and soccer i played just as much soccer as i did tennis and that was fun that was pure like okay like go play soccer have fun you know learn some some other skills that'll apply to tennis with footwork and whatever and then when i was 12 years old, I think I was 11, 11 or 12. I, I, I have to talk to my dad, but I was playing, I was playing rep soccer for my, for my town, you know, Vernon, BC. And we were somewhere, um, somewhere in, in, in the province um, and playing a match. And I got, and I, at one point I got a breakaway and I was running to, and the defenseman couldn't keep up. And so he like elbowed me in, in the face and I got a black eye. And, and I think we were, I'll never forget, we were driving home. And maybe this is just how my brain processed it. And I, but 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 we were driving home, and it was just like it was like the first time that soccer got in the way of tennis. And and then my dad was just kind of like, okay, like you know, we're no more soccer, you know. And then I was just like, oh, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's that's hard. I mean, because you know, there's so many the, the yeah. great the greats and and to play professionally, it's just very rare. There's guys that that or or females that. They play multi sports at the highest level. I mean, you hear about it. You like some some. There's a few right that have done football and baseball, or it's just so hard. So that that's got to be tough. Also, the team aspect versus the individual. Can you maybe tell me a bit of what you prefer? What what's kind of the benefits of of individual and being you know your own? I'll let you tell me. But what what yeah. is the differences between soccer and tennis in terms of what you liked and and maybe what you prefer to to do the other way where it is individually versus versus as a team? Yeah, I mean, I think. Of course, you know, not having played a team sport at a high level, I obviously don't, you know, it's been very hard to com- compare, but I imagine, you know, um, that, you know, very, very different, right? I think, I think team sports, it's probably a lot less pressure unless you're like a superstar on a, on a sport, you know, that is just expected to, to just deliver day in and day out, just every night, whatever, then, you know, I'm sure that has its own pressures that, that are, you know large but but in tennis it's it's you know i think i think you know the pressure is higher you're very exposed you know if you do if you if it's it's such fine margin so if you're even if you're like one or two percent off like you're gonna lose if you're on if you're on a a team of you know whatever 
and you're a little bit off that day and then, and, and, you know, you're kind of blending in the team and maybe you play less minutes because the coach is like, oh, you know what, he's a little off. They take him off and it doesn't necessarily affect, you know, but in tennis, it's literally like if you don't get like great sleep, if you like have 30 minutes less of sleep or if you're a little stressed about something in your life and you're a little less focused or tired or whatever, like that will impact the result right away. Yeah. It's, just, it's, it's, so, it's so cutthroat and the margins are so small because of that everybody plays at such a high level so it's really just um yeah but i think at the end of the day is also I, I feel like great reward right i mean um you're you're you know maybe selfishly you know kind of reaping the, the benefits as as the guy right as there's no doubt in terms of your i mean if you're playing at a certain like the results don't lie and the rankings don't lie right because it's like that's the great thing about tennis is like you step on there's no politics you step on the court you're better you're better you win end of story um you don't have to you know and so it's 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 a very honest sport that way um but yeah i mean do i wish that i do i do i enjoy the team aspect a lot i really do and i kind of thrive in it i i I love team team atmosphere um but i've I've been doing well in the in the individual sport too so so i'm all right (laughs) do you think we'll ever see in sportsmen in tennis this type of or that was like 26 majors a piece i think nadal Djokovic and and is that I mean correct me if I'm wrong and and um, Federer like I think at some point now when it was Federer there was emotional you saw like people crying and how insane it was but I mean this is this is pretty insane right like even Sampras obviously Pete Sampras and obviously like I remember growing up and watching some of that and they were always seemed like the top but has there ever been anything like this like what's the next comparable in terms of majors one I mean it's just insane it seems like it's insane. Yeah. So we got, I mean, Nadal has 22 right now. Djokovic has 21. Federer had 20. Um, you know, the next best was Sampras at 14. You know, and that at the time it was like when Sampras had 14 majors, I mean, people were like, there, no one's ever going to break this. This is unbelievable. This will stand the test of time, you know, and then suddenly you have three guys during the same era that all got over 20, <laughs> you know, pretty pretty crazy so i mean and and yeah w- will somebody do it again i think so absolutely i think so because because um well there's a counter argument to this but i mean you have those you have three guys that got to first of all just the fact that there's three they got over 20 right in one era w- would indicate okay there's got to be some super super athlete guy that comes up and gonna be you know at least one that's gonna be able to get more or at least the same amount um, the other thing is the fact that they play the same era and they're fighting over the same titles, right? Mm-hmm. Would I mean, if you were to to, I mean, you could make an argument and say, okay, well, if 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 uh, if it was just one of them, you'd have fifty grand slams, right? right. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily work that way because they're obviously pushing each other and like so their levels are going higher. And if you're just the standalone, like you're not going to be the standalone guy for very long because right. you can't push your limits the same way the guys are are there. So it's like a balance, but. Long story short, I think just given that you have three guys that are played the same era and they all have 20 Grand Slams, it would be, you know, not unreasonable to think that um, somebody will come up in, in in the future and likely break whatever record. I, um, I, I've never looked at the chart exactly, but I mean, that, so over the last, call it how many years, 15 years, 10 years, like if you're talking about 60 majors won during this era, like is there... I mean, has there been even four or five unique people? Is it literally every major they've won? Like, have is it like two or three people have won a major in a year throughout this period? And how long is it? I mean, it just seems wild. Like, it just seems like who else could win? Like, there's only four a year. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's- oh, it's 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 crazy because, I mean, I think for the last decade, like I don't, I, I don't know the stats. Yeah. But I can I can give you like a ballpark high level, you know, uh, stats report here, and and that's that like the last decade. I think there's just been a handful of guys outside of Roger Rafa um, and right. Novak that have won a slam to the point where most people will be able to name who they are in the last like 10 years. Like wow. That's how you have done it. Right. So, that's crazy. so it's, 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 yeah, they've taken dominating a sport to the next level. <laughs> um, so will yeah. we ever see anything like that again? That's a lot less likely than, than, you know, will we see one guy break the record? I think, you know, that that's probable. I think that's likely. But will we have three guys that have just dominated and taken all the titles or even two guys that have just taken everything yeah. for grabs the last decade? 
that's tough. Like I don't, sure. I don't know, like that. I'd, I'd probably put my money on on never seeing that again. <laughs> on being unlikely for yeah, absolutely. And and tell me, I'm always fascinated because again, this is a it's poker predominant podcast. We have you know musicians, actors, different athletes from from sports. I'm always fascinated at the top level to be a professional within the, the your specific spot here. Like what what attributes do you feel looking at you know your peers yourself? make a a great tennis player you know it's like what what is it the the work ethic the how much you know given ability um you know what, what type of things maybe that someone might not think of though that, that you know that that uh that makes someone be able to be one of the best in the world to, to do it for a living yeah uh well this is so funny just just this question alone i feel like could be a one-hour podcast uh but it is <laughs> there's so many things that are flying through my head when you ask that in terms of because I've had conversations uh, over the, you know, over the years with, with people about, you know, even comparing other sports and again, not having necessarily that much context from the other sport, but at least internally in tennis. And there's so many different variables and so many different, obviously you don't have to be good at, you don't have to tick off all the boxes, obviously, right. but like there's, you know, uh, obviously, so, okay. Work ethic goes without saying, I mean, you have to be tough. You have to have tough skin. You have to be, you have to be you know, by you have to be tough mentally. You have to be strong because you're you're basically in an arena. You're it's a one-on-one combat in a way, without, not physical necessarily. Like you're not beating somebody up, but but you you need to be able to handle a lot of stress. I mean, you're traveling all year. It is a very stressful um, situation to be in. I mean, you're going like on a court to go one-on-one against somebody, and you're going week after week after week. You have you know you have to push the body, so you have to be able to go through you know, physical pain and handle that well, that's, you know, similar to other, other sports for sure. Um, or anything really, right. Like the 10,000 hours. I mean that you can't, yeah. you can't escape that. I mean, it, any, anything, any aspect of life, if you want to be successful, if you, you know, there's, you, you gotta, you gotta put in the hours and like work your ass off. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, sometimes you'll have some people that will become rich, but, I wouldn't consider that success if, it, if yeah. they got there, you know, like people yeah. can get rich without being successful in my view, at least with how I view success. Right. I mean, if they put, you get super lucky or they'll say you win the lottery or let's say you put something on a stock or let's say you inherit something or whatever. Right. So obviously, but in terms of reaching a certain level of success, uh, I don't think you, you know, the hard work is not but, something you can avoid. Like analytics, how important you see this now, ball and baseball and you know, at Brentford they got you know the using statistics and different models and stuff how important uh, in sports like the major sports as well uh, is this something in tennis that you use in your game strategy and film can you maybe lo- lo- talk about that like in terms of watching film study and what tools the the top level professionals are using to analyze your own play and others yeah so this is this is another really interesting one and it kind of ties into the last question because just given how many different variables there are in tennis, how many different things you have to be good at and focus on and like, and how much energy and time that you have a day to be able to do everything. So I think, you know, so whether that's, you know, um, working on your, your, your technique, uh, your physical aspect, your mental aspect, you know, recovering, also being able to, to take time away and adjust and then, you know, spending time on data analytics, you know, um, it's tough to fill. It's really tough. And I think that's where tennis is a little bit behind the other sports. And I don't know if it ever can be the same. And if the, if the structure stays the way it is, because, um, you know, there's only so much time in a day and, and spending time on one aspect will take away from, from another, right. Just because there's, like I said, there's only unfortunately 24 hours in one day. And right. I think, but, but it is, it is becoming more, it is becoming more common in tennis. And I know, and I know that especially the top guys um, are, are, you know, going more in depth into the data and they have their own teams, obviously, that are that are looking into it. I'm, I'm now working as of this year, as of, I guess, middle last year, working with, with, a, with a data team as well. Um, so they, they kind of, you know, speak, they connect closely with my coach. They go through every time I have an opponent, they'll go through, OK, these are some of his tendencies. Um, and it's, a, it's tough. It's a fine line because you also can't over as a tennis player, you can't. Um, have like overload of information because you got to kind of dial in on two or three key things in that match. So it's best that it's through the coach that the coach gets the data, 
kind of looks through it and then picks the two, three things that he thinks are most important to tell the player. Because the player at the end of the day has to be on the court and and adapting constantly. You're playing, you're basically, you're problem solving throughout, you know, from the beginning to the end of that match. Because you're playing against a person, you know, that is going to be shifting his own tendencies if he sees suddenly that you're covering something or if he, he's like, you know what, this guy knows that I'm doing this or you, you pick up on patterns. You also have to be smart with when you use that information at what times and yeah. and um so it's but but it is coming into tennis um and but definitely behind other sports yeah and, and and speaking on similar sort of topic but the mental side do you do you deal with do you specifically you know meditation for example kind of just like a something basic something that is probably good to do and people do in general but for you on the mental side of tennis because you know i know in swimming is why I live with with Phelps for eight years, and obviously, most decorated Olympian ever. But you know, he's very vocal about mental health and and talk space and doing that. And you know, I, I feel like the the individual sports. It's a little like when you're in a basketball team or a soccer team. Yeah, there's guys around, and you're kind of sharing the burden. But the the mental side, I feel like, especially a lot of training individually, hitting balls. It just seems like it can be a bit tough to 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 really you know the social side of it and to stay positive and how do you deal with that the mental side of of uh, tennis and also preparation with being an individual sport yeah definitely is very tough um i think you know working with a sports psychologist is is kind of commonplace um you know for for tennis players uh, you know i think some more so than others obviously um i think you know a big part of it as well as as i you know alluded to earlier it, you know, earlier on is, is finding the balance in your life. I think when you overload yourself with stress or overload yourself with work and flying, just because it is such a high stress, high pressure job. Um, you know, I, I feel like I've been much happier and much, you know, just more of a balanced individual ever since I started to, you know, it really has been take carved time away throughout my year to have fun with my friends and my family and do, do fun. And I think that's really helped honestly, because you also I've also created another little bit of my identity, you know, has shifted a little bit the last four, four years, I would say since my back surgery prior to that, I was a bachelor tennis player and every match was like life or death. And if I won, everything was amazing. If I lost, everything was shit. You know? yeah. So like well, yeah, dealing with winning and losing is, is huge. I mean, it's not easy, especially with that. I mean, that's what happens, right? There's not, it's not ties. You go home and you either win or lose. And whether you're at Wimbledon in a final or in the first yeah. round, you know, it's, it's, it's intense, right? Everything it's, it's war. It feels like, um, I'm sure it's gotta be hard. Totally. Cause like it's, it, you travel across the world, you're in Australia, you're in these places. And then if it's over, early you know it's it can i'm sure that's uh very difficult it's well, just like the highs the highs are big and the lows are big I'm, i mean that's a major major deal it, exactly and especially you know i would say why it was more so the case for me four years ago and prior to that is because i kind of tied my whole like self identity and self-worth to my my profession so it's natural that you're going to go through you know major peaks and valleys uh, even psychologically because your results are not going to be consistent. I mean, they're going to, you know, you're going to have bad periods and have good periods. And, and unfortunately, and I know many players go through this is that because that's kind of like your, your, the reason you exist, you know, in your mind is like to play tennis, it, it, it can really take a toll. And I think once a, so why I alluded to my back surgery is because when I had surgery in 2019, I, I was off the tour for eight months and I just got in, I got in, involved in so many other things. I mean, my business, I, I was just so, I, I really just, you know, if suddenly I had a friends, I had a social life. I, I, you know, I started the, um, in tennis, this, this organization now that Novak and I are doing together. And I started a mushroom company. I just did some investments and suddenly I came back and I was healthy yeah. and I was so much more relaxed on the court. I was, you know, if I had a tough loss, you know, I didn't go down here, but I just went like, okay, you know, it, it was just so much more balanced because I was like, oh, I'm also Vashik, the, the guy that's, you know, can do this it, and this and have a social life. And, and it was just totally different. Yeah. It's so interesting you say that because this is the, the most valuable lesson my dad ever taught me. You know, it's not about what happens, how you react to what happens. And it, it's just like 
also similar. I had an event in poker where in 2011, Black Friday, you know, I was playing online poker from my couch in the US, kind of doing it for a living. I was in college. Next thing you know, the DOJ you know, shut down all the sites. Poker's like off in the US, can't play from the USA. I'm living in Baltimore at the time. Jeez. And I'm like, man, the life's over. Like, this is crazy. But you know, meanwhile, I was eating Ding Hao, Chinese food every day, playing beer pong all night, wake up, roll out of bed, play. I you know, played college sports. I was an athlete my whole life, education, school, and then nothing and just kind of doing nothing. And in my head, I was like, oh, this is fun or whatever. And then that kind of like after maybe a couple of years of that, it was like, all right, now I'm traveling. Like I was just at home and this area yeah. now is like going to tournaments around the world. I'm playing live poker. I'm meeting people, business stuff's going on. I'm kind of whatever. So it's like in the moment, it's like, wow, life is over. How can this be? This is so terrible. But then, yeah, that's like a 10,000 foot view. Like, man, think that was like had to happen. So I think that's yeah. like, I think in anyone, anyone's life, like you'll have these moments where it does feel like everything is just over and it's the worst, but it, it just looking back like, wow, that's amazing. And that's hard to, yeah. it's hard to appreciate. I think the faster you can kind of recognize that, okay, this happened and let me, let me figure it out. Like um, that's, that's very huge. And obviously people have different abilities and bandwidths on how fast they're able to process and shift into a positive from a negative. So that sounds like, yeah, it sounds like that was sort of an aha moment uh, and a big deal for uh, you. A hundred percent. I think, I think that's, you know, uh, there was another kind of event apart from my surgery, you know, a couple of years prior to that, that also just gave me a complete paradigm shift mentally where, you know, since then, especially, I mean, to your point, any, any time I've kind of faced adversity or perceived adversity, right? It's all what you're, you know, I, I, every negative situation, if you can look at it in a positive way, because, because, and now because I've had several perceived negative events in my life that have, that have just created another path or something, or that I've learned so much from that I've developed as, and that I became a better person, let's say, or, or, so at this point, it's like anything that happens, I just have that mentality like, okay, this is, this is good. This is going to be good for something, obviously, apart from, you know, tragedies, which, which is another thing, but, um, but, but, um, you know, it's, you can really just, everything is, is good. <laughs> you yeah, know, even sure. that is good. You know, and I tell some of my friends, sometimes they have something that really you know like, oh they get all stressed out about something that happened whether they get fired this recently someday I forget what it was uh and i was like hey like you have no idea what this is going to be good for like you think this is bad right now like your watch like one year it'll take a totally different route and you'll be like oh thank god that happened right or something yeah. so if you yeah. can kind of approach life from that that perspective not you know it, i think it really just helps makes the journey a lot more enjoyable for sure. And, and being Canadian, first World Cup, I believe, for the men's, right? Or at least the first scored the first goal. Uh, they for, Was it the first World Cup ever? No, not the first World Cup ever. No. First goal ever? There's some like our first point. There was something that was yeah. big for Canada. What, what what happened there and how fun was that World Cup to watch? Yeah, it was, it was I think it was the third time. It was, you know, I don't want to get my stats wrong here as a Canadian, but but from what I read, from what I understood, is this is the third time Canada has ever played the World Cup. First time qualified in, I don't know how many years, a lot right. of, you know, many years, maybe I'm not going to even say it, <laughs> yeah, but it was the first, but it was the first goal that, that Canada had ever scored. Okay, Canada. that's what it was, right. Yeah, and, it was a star too, right? The guy, yeah, yeah, that was the day, that was the day that we won uh, Davis Cup, actually, the same wow. day, um, Team Canada, we won Davis Cup, which is basically the World Cup of tennis, in, you know, comparable. Um, Canada's never won it, never, you know, uh, it was the first time that Canada's ever won Davis Cup, and we won it the same day as uh, as Team Canada scored the, the first goal. Um, so that was that was interesting that that happened basically. That's, that's very very cool. That's <laughs> a, yeah, a lot of a lot of motion. Very very cool. I mean, obviously, the next World Cup hosted by U.S. Mexico and Canada. So there'll be, I think two, two cities, maybe Toronto and Vancouver, if I'm not mistaken, but then yeah. all across the board. So that'll, that'll be fun. We'll have to go to some games as you love the sports. Yeah. So do I, and Miami, I know is a host location and uh, that that's going to be sick. And I think 48 teams actually. So pretty good shot for Canada to be or actually they're a host nation, right? Each, each, uh, each of those countries yeah. will be in no matter what, yes. but um, yeah. that's, that's, uh, that's, that's going to be very, very cool. Um, and, and tell me about your training, your physical training routine. Like how has it shifted from say 21 to, 32 how have you adjusted and adapted to your to your routine um i think yeah i mean i, I always kind of push my body to the limit when i'm doing you know fit, fitness it's just kind of how i am by nature if i'm doing something i go 100 percent. so uh, i think i've i've had to learn how to 
uh, like be a little bit better at listening to my body, I guess, you know, because because I've had some injuries over the years, probably as a result of just that mentality that I've had. That mentality has also probably done me a lot of, you know, great, great favors as well. But so I think I think now it's a little bit more I'm more in tune with, uh, like I said, with my body and listening to to, you know, kind of if I have some aches or pains or, or uh, whereas when I was younger, um, I would ignore all that. And now, uh, as I get more experienced, I'm, 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 you know, just more careful with not going into the red zone, but having said that still, still, just still knowing that to improve, you need to be out of your comfort zone. So I'm still obviously, um, you know, push quite a bit. And then, um, in terms of when I'm training throughout the year before tournaments, that hasn't really changed. It's, 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 there's like pretty like standard, um, kind of protocols that the fitness trainers, follow that I work with and and there's there's certain times of the year where you have your training block and then when you're in tournaments you're kind of maintaining you know some days you'll push a little bit more um but but generally it's pretty pretty structured very very cool yeah. and and um you're talk about the coaching your your father I believe coached you for a long time how important is it coaching in tennis and and what was the point where you went from you know being with your 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 father who was sort of guiding you there to a the next level of a professional coach or, or was your dad a professional or did, did he have experience before coaching yeah no so so not really he um he played recreationally back in well former czechoslovakia obviously um and and um when he came to canada my parents escaped the communist regime there and came to canada uh my dad just became a tennis you know nut and, and just like totally obsessed and was I wanted his sons to play professionally and I started coaching my older brothers and then me when I was obviously old enough and just read you know magazines like coaching magazines was watching studying the sport on tv um just really just dove in head head first and and then yeah so it was more so then he coached me basically until I was 20 years old minus a two-year period there where I worked with another coach and and the main reason, I guess, for that was obviously very lucky because no one's going to give you as much attention and energy as, as a parent, right? So I think that was what really was, was pushed me is that his passion just kind of rubbed off on me. And so I spent hours and hours on court and running side to side. And, and um, you know, so I think, I think, which is why I believe, which is why it's a very common story in, in tennis at the top level that, that many uh, or most, you know, were kind of initially pushed by a parent um yeah the king richard movie i saw that was uh i, I like the movie i thought it was a really cool story yeah, that they get told there and, and you know, obviously will smith won the i think won the academy award and also put on quite a show at that award <laughs> ceremony but that was um that movie that movie was cool that was cool to see that it was very line cool. and and it just you know i'm sure a little bit whatever but it was you know exaggerated or, or made up but it just to, to literally do that and have the dad sort of just you know will these girls to to champions is just i mean it's kind of yeah it's insane and motivational and very very cool story so that uh yeah that, that um, yeah i guess that's probably good. one of the best doubles ever right single doubles like they win what they win singles oh. and they've crossed those. that that's just like in a different world of, of domination right oh yeah i mean the williams sisters are just i mean you know just uh just next level athletes and tennis players. So singles, doubles didn't matter for them, right? And obviously Serena being being the, the greatest of all time. Yeah, now I want to ask about Czechoslovakia. So your, your parents are from there. They escaped the regime to Austria and then moved to Canada. Do you, how many languages do you speak? I just, I feel like the over under is five, like this type part of the world. And you know, you see like, what, what's your, what are your languages that you do speak? Yeah, I, I only speak three. I, I speak uh, Czech, English, and French. Czech and French, fluently, obviously. Um, I do want to. I do want to learn how to speak Spanish because I feel like I would pick that up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not overly different, you know, from from French and maybe you know maybe Italian. I don't know, but but I definitely want to learn one more one more language. But three is where I'm at right now. And is that what you speak? So you speak you speak that fluently, Czech, like when you're at home, speak- you speak with your parents. Yeah, so I, I speak I speak Czech fluently. Um, it like like P it's like PG Czech because it's like I, I or why I say PG Czech is because because I speak Czech at home with my parents and for you know my basically my whole life. But then when I when I speak Czech with with you know in a social setting with other players or whatever, like I'm totally fine just 
having a conversation, but I won't, I won't pick up on slang or, or like any, any kind of like kind of jokes or you know, like, like that are, they're right. a little bit, you know, because I, I'm, it's just like, Oh, like it's like household language, right? It's like, this is how you speak with your parents. And, and I haven't really had so many, uh, social, you know, I haven't been exposed to too many social settings growing up or right. even, or recently where I would kind of, my vocabulary would go into like, you know, more, uh, kind of slang or, or part of it. Yeah. But, uh, and then French, I speak fluently because, um, well, I went to French school when I was young. Um, and then my, for four years, I worked with a French coach, uh, and we spoke, French probably like half the time. So I've, I've actually gotten a lot better. My French has gotten a lot better over the years, even, even since I went to, to French school, but those, so fluent in all three. Yeah. Very, very cool. I did. I actually was just digging through here. I saw the, uh, so we got to that, that was the, um, the tennis, like juggling and oh. honestly like juggling with the tennis ball. I just dug up. Like I, I was like shocked. Cause it, that is, uh, it is hard. Like he was like, he's got headers. Oh, yeah. I'm like, man, like I, I've never seen a, a tennis player. You know, he's, he's making good, uh, Oh yeah, no, hey, you're you're good too. You used to play. Yeah, I played in I played through college, but like I, oh. I did, that he was telling me he was just like, he's like that's how, um, you know, that's how you 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 start. For, I mean, this is like, honestly it's impressive because it was like he was like this is how we decide who gets to serve first a lot, like playing oh, soccer. He's got cool. knees and yeah, so it, it was it was fun, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I, I I love I honestly I love playing padel. I that's like got courts around here. That's the the the. the I know pickleball is the fastest growing sport, but there is, you know, padel seems to be very popular and popular in Europe. Is that kind of my last question is what you will maybe do after tennis? And do you, would that be something that there's now the tour, I think for pickleball and they're doing this new type of, it seems like a lot of business ventures within tennis. And is that something you think you'll stay in the sport, whether after you retire from playing or, or do you have more sort of goals outside of, of tennis and business wise? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if I'll, how much I'll stay in the sport. Obviously, at, at this you know time, I mean, I don't know the future, but but at this moment in time, uh, I think I'll most likely, um, you know, just move on in my life to something. I have so many other things I want to do in business, and I have you know uh, I have, yeah, um, obviously you know with with the mushroom company, I have you know an advisory board of four different four different uh, companies at the moment and and I want to you know I have a project that I want to start when I retire at least at the time at this moment what I think I will do and it's very opposite from what tennis is right now and, and maybe I will be involved with you know tennis Canada that's you know to some degree whether it's Davis Cup captain whether it's whatever I'm not sure but but I definitely feel like um, I'm excited for for the next chapter and phase of my life um, where tennis is, is a much smaller part of it. At the same time, I feel like I'll always be, you know, slightly, I'll always have a connection to the sport just because it's given me so much and, and right. given me the life that I have. And, and I have a lot of experience that I can, you know, I like helping people. So I feel like I'll always help, um, you know, even if it's some players, juniors locally, just, just to share the experience, just because I know how difficult uh, it was for me and, and how difficult it is for every, any young tennis player coming into trying to make it professionally. So yeah. I wouldn't want that experience that I've kind of uh, accumulated over the years to just go to waste and, and especially cause it is a sport that I love. So I, I will be involved, but probably um, to a much smaller degree. Very cool. Well, we're going to wish yeah. you a lot of luck at the Australian ah. open. Very exciting. And, the, the last question about luck is I want to ask you about draws and such. Cause you said it's kind of random draws. You can play the best player or the worst. Is that how the draws are literally done? There's no, it's like they're seeding and then draws or it's just like a pure, pure open draw. Yeah. So there's, there's seeding. So they, they take, you know, a certain amount of the top ranked guys uh, depends on the size of the draw. So, so, you know, the grand slam uh, it's, you know, the, the biggest draw of the year. So, so they'll take the top 32 ranked in the world. They'll seed them, put them in sections, separate mm -hmm. them. And then the rest is, is random draw. So, cool. uh, um, it's, you know, and, and yeah, you can get unlucky, lucky, whatever, but at the end of the, at the end of the day, kind of balances out, right? Like, like anything, like if you go, if you go on a roulette table and you bet on a red and it's like, you know, and you only play one time, it's like, okay, you got 50% yeah. of all this, like zero makes it less. Let's say 50% yeah. chance you're going to be lucky or, or not. Right. But then if you play roulette 
you know, a thousand times, if you go a thousand times, it's going to, it's going to, it'll, it'll even out. That's, that's part of, yeah, part of the, part of the deal for sure. Well, that, yeah, yeah. it's, uh, I, you know, hanging around Bill and some of us too, Antonio, you know, a bit about, yeah, a lot of talk oh, yeah. about odds and math and, and I'm sure there's yeah. been some fun wagers and such that uh, come up for, for a good time. But uh, yeah, man, listen, Vasek, very, yeah. very, very cool to chat with you, man. I appreciate it. I definitely learned a lot. And where can people follow you across the board? Where are you most active on socials? Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I guess my, my Instagram, it's uh, Vasek.Pospisil. Uh, I guess Instagram is, is probably the page. I have a Facebook page as well. Um, Twitter, uh, my Twitter handle is just VasekPospisil. Um, so I, I'm, I need to be a little bit more active there. And, but, but yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it, Jeff. Uh, this was, this was awesome. Uh, honestly, it was, uh, was great to be here. So thanks so much for, for having me. Yeah. I appreciate the time. Thanks for making it work over on Australia. We will be sweating the results and keeping an eye on you. I do appreciate this. And this will be on all the audio outlets. So guys, thanks again. Vasek Pospisil, who is a top ranked tennis player in the world has won Wimbledon doubles and is a, He's, he's not done. He's young. He's still young. He's, he's coming yes. to prime. Tennis players are going forever, just like every other sport in their 40s, 32. We'll keep an eye on you across the board and wish you much success. I'm sure we'll run into each other very soon. Thanks again for the time. Awesome. Thanks, Jeff.